Welcome to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. This is an episode-by-episode look at the award-winning TV show Friday Night Lights created by Peter Berg. I'm Stacey Oristano, and I play Mindy Collette Riggins. And I'm Derek Phillips, and I play Billy Riggins. Our assumption is that you, our listeners, have already watched the show. But if you haven't already, go watch Friday Night Lights, which is currently streaming on Netflix and Peacock TV. There will be spoilers in our podcast. And every few weeks, we'll do audience participation episodes just to answer your questions. So email us what you want to know at cleareyesfullheartspod at gmail.com. Today, we're talking about season one, episode three, Wind Sprints. It was written by Elizabeth Heldens and directed by Jeffrey Reiner. Here's our NBC synopsis. The town turns on Coach Taylor after a difficult loss and seedy backroom deals begin to recruit a new quarterback, Ray Voodoo Tatum. Seeing the team falling apart, Coach Taylor takes drastic measures to save the season. Today, we're thrilled to have our good friend, Adrienne Palicki, who played Tyra Collette as our first guest on the podcast. We're going to talk to her in the back half of the episode. So, Stacy, are you ready? I'm so ready. Let's go! want to say right off the bat okay we the Panthers lose the game sucks but then we go right I think right after the credits is the exterior shot of the Riggins house and I literally blurted out hey that's my house I haven't seen it in so long (laughs) I live there spoiler I guess we jump right into that yeah and we start to we get to see a little bit more of uh, what's going on with Billy and Tim these days Tim's sitting there drinking a beer. Billy's, you know, practicing his uh, his short game in golf. Uh, and then Lila Garrity shows up. I, I did not know Billy was a golfer, by the way. You know what? Uh, interesting little fun fact here. Uh, they made me a golfer in this. And then I have a buddy of mine. His name is uh, Eric Compton. He was a professional golfer. And he, the minute at this episode aired, he called me and he was like, dude, no. we got to work on your swing. And I was like, oh, man, is it that bad? Because I'm not a golfer. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently it was that bad because I don't think they ever asked me to swing a golf club again in the history of uh, this television show. There you go. Um, but yeah, uh, it's established right there that Billy uh, plays some golf. And we may find out a little bit later that Billy played more than just a little bit of golf that he was actually uh, uh, pretty good. But here's something that's really interesting about this scene. So we, um, we're shooting this scene and, uh, and Lila comes to the door and she's asking if, if Tim is there. And I go and answer the door and as she was walking away. I like leaned over and I looked at her butt. You know what I mean? Like I thought I that's what that. Billy would do. I thought that's what Billy would do. But the first time I did it, and you know this, Stacey, like there's a learning curve here as a, as a theater actor. Um, so the first time we did that take, I like looked, like leaned my head way down far to the right, kind of made a face and looked at her butt because I'm like, I don't know if the camera's going to pick it up. And Jeffrey Reiner, who's now taken over as director, I mean, it wasn't that big, but it was it was big enough that, you know, you could see it in the back of a 900 seat house. Yeah. And Jeffrey Reiner came up to me and he goes, Hey man, I love that, that he's looking at her butt when she walks away, but don't get caught. And I was like, what? And he goes, don't get caught. And I was like, Oh, and it was like a light bulb went off in my head as an actor on television. Don't get caught. You can think anything. You can feel anything. The camera's going to pick it up. And I said to Jeffrey, are we sure it's going to pick it up? And he goes, dude, It'll pick it up. Trust me. And uh, it it gave me so much confidence when this episode aired and all I did was just kind of my eyes just – it was just my eyes that went down. 
And my mom texted me. She goes, oh, you're so gross. And it was like, it read. And that, that gave so, me so, so much confidence going forward. So you only got caught forward. by family, but not by Lila or your exactly. Or but my <laughs> But my point is, is that it gave me confidence that I don't have to make it big like you would on, on stage. That you're still going to be able to see what's going on. And it really was just a, a huge um, lesson for a guy who was you know, theatrically trained, but hadn't had a lot of experience in film and television. I would so. say even three years into the show, directors were still telling me, pull it back, Stacey, pull it back, Stacey. And I'm like, no, I do musical theater. This is so hard. I don't love yeah. it. Pull it back, Stacey, pull it back, pull it back. But yeah, so we get to see the, the Riggins house, which is actually a different house than the house we shot in in the pilot. And so this is the first time I believe we've uh, established. Oh, no, oh. that is not true, actually. There was a very, very small scene in the episode. Oh, no. No, this is it. Sorry. Are no, you? This is the first you, time. Derek, Derek, are you okay? Do you need a minute? I think you I might have had a brain aneurysm there just so, for a something second. Something just but, happened. Uh, Derek, Derek <laughs> malfunctioned there for a minute. Okay, do you want to, if you could explain the house in one word, uh, smell-wise, smelly, what would it be? Awful smell, like the smell of death. Y'all, it's bad. Here's the deal. You got to understand that there were people that actually lived in this house. I didn't find this out until season three, but uh, we were shooting in this house and this, this happened in season three one day. And there was a, 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 a UT national championship ring, like a big one, some like an offensive lineman's. And I picked this thing up and I was like, is this like a prop? This is like a real national championship ring. And one of the people who was on set, I, I, maybe like the prop person or, or somebody was like, oh, yeah, it's probably the guys who live here. And I said, <gasps> people live here? Because you have no clue how bad this place smelled. We weren't allowed to open the refrigerator when we were on set because if you open it, you like the, they would clear the whole entire crew out if you open the fridge. But it also gave you this kind of like this is this is definitely what the Riggins brothers would live in. You know what 100%. I mean? hundred percent. This pigsty. It was uh, – the place was just a mess. It was a mess. And I just always thought that it was art decoration coming in and really doing a number on this place. And it was like, no, it was two college kids. Living yeah, there. like throwing stink bombs in it to give you <laughs> really that full that full Riggins feel. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, this was a uh, uh, theater of the senses. Everything about it. It smelled bad. It looked bad. It, you know, yeah. So you definitely felt like you were in the mix. But so that was the Riggins house. And I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about with the Riggins house. Though that's, there's so much more coming. Uh, okay, mm -hmm. so let's go on with the episode. Yes. Uh, here's ugh, so many. I love that we're just getting inside these people's lives so much more now. This thing happening with Matt Saracen, and he goes to Tammy's office. He needs to drop a class because this kid, this kid has so much on his shoulders now. His dad's way in Iraq. His grandma, we're finding out, is kind of maybe losing her memory a little bit. She's got like early onset dementia, it seems like. And yeah, I mean, it's just, he's got so much on his plate every episode. You just sit there going, oh, poor Matt. And now he's QB1. That's too, that's too much for a kid. It's too yeah, much. It's a lot. I love, I love setting up Tammy as a guidance counselor, though. Yeah. She's, she might be like really good at this. It also sets her up as a nice foil to coach because automatically she's like after the meeting with Matt, she's like, you need to back off Matt a little bit. And he's like, you need to leave me alone. You know, it turns into a big argument between mm -hmm. the two of them. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's just going to be a great – her becoming guidance counselor is just a great way of creating tension. He called it, man. He knew that was going to yeah. happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it is. I mean, right off the bat, there's that tension between these two. 
Uh, okay, other other standout things in this episode for me. So we've got this kid who was displaced by mm-hmm. Hurricane Katrina. I'm assuming probably family brought him to Texas because he is this insane quarterback and he wants to keep playing football. That, oh, but, oh, buddy, 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 buddy. Were you in Texas real quick uh, when when mm-hmm. Katrina happened? Yeah. Because do I you remember? S- like, I don't know if the rest of the country really knew how crazy it was, both for New Orleans and for Texas, because... Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a massive influx of people, of refugees, uh, and to even say refugee sounds weird when you're talking about U.S. citizens, but U.S. citizens oh, yeah. that were displaced after Katrina and and the schools were overloaded and neighborhoods were mm-hmm. overloaded and and people trying to find jobs. Uh, it was just this massive influx of Katrina refugees. Yeah, I set up, well, I didn't do it by myself. I helped set up two housing centers, essentially, shelters mm-hmm. where we would have, we probably housed like 300 families in each of them when Katrina was happening. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so wait, oh, Buddy Garrity sees this kid, Ray Voodoo Tatum, find out that he's here in Dillon. Yep. This whole thing is so shady, bringing coach to the motel room. It's so backroom shady. It's so Buddy Garrity. <laughs> It's so Buddy Garrity. I also was thinking when Kyle was talking, he was like, you know what I like about Matt is I don't have to worry about recruitment yeah. boundaries or whatever. And I was thinking that like that is also other stuff that coaches have to think about. Oh, 100%. I mean, it's it's probably cost more coaches their jobs across the country than just about anything else is, is that shady backroom. In high school too? You know, yeah. I mean, especially in a public high school. Now, I went to a, a private high school in Miami and they recruited and they made no bones about it. It's not – it's frowned upon, but there's nothing illegal about going out and recruiting some kid. So th- I do also love that in this scene you can see that Coach is just – he's uncomfortable. Yeah. Doesn't know it's going to happen. But also is Saracen going to be a good enough player? I don't know. Yeah. And so I think um, Voodoo says something about being in a starting position and Coach says to him, starting positions aren't handed out in motel rooms. They're handed out on the field. And there's like yeah. that moment of respect between Tatum and Coach that like, oh, I love Coach. I love Coach so much. Okay, guys, here's <laughs> the other thing that you will get to know about me. And nobody understands why and nobody agrees with me. Voodoo Tatum is my favorite character that's ever been on Friday Night Lights. I love him. I don't necessarily have a reason why, except it probably is wrapped up in my... F- full-on love of Aldous Hodge, who plays Ray Voodoo Tatum. I find him ridiculously talented and fascinating, and he's also just the, the nicest person in the entire world. He's a virtuoso violinist. He makes watches. He writes and produces and acts. This, oh, you guys, Aldous Hodge. Have you watched what Voodoo Tatum does, though? Just wait. You think he's a good guy right now. I'm not saying oh, he's a guy. I'm man. saying he's my favorite character. Oh, Stacy, We're only three episodes in and we're probably going to lose all of the people that listen to our show because of this comment. Hey, guys, I'm sorry. You need to know this right now. He's my favorite character. Sorry. Maybe it'll change after we do this whole watch because, like, there's stuff I haven't seen. But as of right now, I stand firm on my platform. I'm standing tall. <sighs> Voodoo Tatum. All right. Sorry. I'll get you a Voodoo Tatum jersey for your birthday this year. I would so wear that. I know you. Okay, I'm not doing that. Go on. I just love a foil coming into a story where we've already fallen in love with these people and we feel a little bit a part of this town and there's like throwing a wrench into that story. You're the only person I've ever met who loves Voodoo Tatum. I love him. I mean, I can love the character and be like, dude, and all this is brilliant in the role, but love him? 
No. Nobody loves Billy Riggins either. I get it. He's kind of a jackass. So I'm I'm used you're, to that. But you're like, a little bit of a jackass. A little bit. I en- yeah. I end up kind of loving you, I guess. Spoiler. Yeah, no. This this is all making sense now. The mm-hmm. only person who could love Billy Riggins is also the only person who could love Voodoo Tatum. Is <laughs> me. Stacey Orstano. Yes. I get it. Okay, so there's um phew, a practice. Things aren't necessarily going as well as they should. Riggins leaves practice. Yeah. And I think Smash has words with Coach during practice. And the, yeah. so he, like, makes him keep running and running and running. Yeah, it gets nasty. And I think that's still sticking in Coach's craw. I got one thing real quick, real quick. Like, one of my favorite things is, like, Blue Decker playing both sides of this. And he does this throughout the show. But Blue, who plays Mac McGill, you know, Tim goes walking off. Uh, Tim goes walking off. He's, you know, he's upset and he's just a mess with the whole Jason Street thing. Yeah. And Blue Decker goes, you, you got to let him go, Coach. You got to let him go. He blames himself. Mm-hmm. And then five minutes later, Buddy, Gar- Buddy Garrity's standing there and he goes, did I just see Tim Riggins walk off the field? And Blue Deckard's just shaking his head like, yep, I don't know why. I can't believe that happened either. And I'm like, you just told Coach to let him go. I know. But then Mac admits uh, he, like, he goes to barbecues over at Buddy's house and Coach isn't invited. It's a little bit dr- some drama. He's got some snacking going on, too. He's got the little, I think he's popping like uh, uh, pistachios <gasps> so or something. Snacking. There's a lot of snack. Okay, but I feel like some, some of that angst was sitting in Coach because after he <laughs> he gets home and Connie's watching TV, or sorry, Tammy, Connie Britton, who plays Tammy, She's like, uh, that's Smash. And we turn and we see the TV and Smash is giving, oh, oh, Smash, giving an interview. And he full on says, off the record, into a microphone (laughs) in front of a camera. And I want to hug him because it's so good. I'm pretty sure I've done that at some point in time in my life. But okay, so then Coach calls up Mac and says, get the team together. We're going out to the field house. If I and I just keep equating it to when I was in high school, my mom would be like, "It's eleven o'clock. No, she's not. Go to bed." But I. But this is Texas, and this is Dylan, and I also love that Coach goes directly to Smash's house, and Smash is sitting there eating his bowl of cereal, and the look on Gaius's face when Coach open when Coach comes in the house, his eyes go wide, and it's like, "Oh shit." Yeah, yeah. You got two minutes. Get dressed. Meet me in the car. Yeah, but his eyes go so wide, and it's like, oh, I screwed up. I messed with the bull, and I got the horns. They get in. They get in the bus Mm -hmm. in the pouring rain. Yeah, wind sprints up and down the hill. Because guess what? You've all been kind of bratty. Get out there and do some work. But then, oh, but it leads us to this. They get back after doing their sprints and. I like I actually watched it three times and even thinking about it right now I get goosebumps smash starting the clear eyes full hearts. Yeah. They're coming together as a team, Stacy. But he starts it, Saracen yeah. chants it, and then they're all chanting it. And then without even anybody telling him to, they run more wind sprints because yeah. now they're a team and they're united. And it's also, I feel like, a whole team apology to coach a little bit. Pretty a little much. bit. Yep. Yep. We get that iconic shot too of Coach with uh, with Taylor or with with Tim. Tim Taylor. See, that's going to happen a lot on this show. His name is Taylor Kitsch, and I'm going to call him Taylor. And then you're going to think I'm talking about Coach Taylor, but I'm talking about Tim Riggins and Coach Taylor and that iconic shot with the rain coming down. Uh, I mean, first of all, come on. Just with his his hair is so perfectly placed in his face and little water droplets falling off of his beautiful face and his hair. Yeah, he's so pretty. I used to tell him when we were on that show together, I'd say, you know, if there's any justice in the world, you'll be bald by the time you're 30. 
And guess what? Happen, it did though. not happen. No, he still got a lovely lux. Ugh. Coach, um, uh, coach telling him it was nobody's fault. It's nobody's fault about street. Oh, yeah. it's so good. But then you owe me a practice. But you still screwed me over. So yeah, yeah you're walking. You owe home. me a practice. Walk home. And he full on does it. I love yeah. the faces of the players as they're but they're like, wait, but he still. Ugh. Yeah. But which, of course, sets us up that, for him. That's a really cool moment, too, because it's like the first time that I think that this team is actually realizing this Coach Taylor guy is not going to let you get away with crap. You know what I mean? Like they're realizing that there's a wonderful little thing that he says where it's like you think you're champions because you wear that that Panther jersey or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, these kids are finally realizing like champions are made by the work you put in, not because you wear a jersey or you went to this high school or because you've got some pedigree by going to this school. And so it's, you know, you want to be a champion, you got to put the work in. And so they're learning that. They are learning that. But then that leads, of course, Tim's walking down the street in a small town. So obviously this would happen. Lila drives by. And man, every time I hear that Pearl Jam song to this day. Do you think about them locking lips? Well, it's just, yes. But it's also a beautiful, (laughs) that beautiful scene. You know what I mean? This scene with these two, you know, people whose lives have been completely and totally upended by this, this tragedy. And, and Right. And they went about it completely opposite ways of yeah. her falling full into just doing what she needs to do and being there every day and figuring stuff out. And Tim just hides. Yeah, and we haven't even it. talked about the the huge fight that, that Lila and Jason had that kind of leads to this, you this know? Is, ugh. First of all, the, his catheter breaking and seeing him oh, em- dude, embarrassed yeah. for the first time. And yeah. there's like a sense of, this this is going to be so hard going forward because this yeah. is just a tiny little part of it. But then also you're right, the big fight. It's the first time we've ever seen Street get angry. Do you know what do you know what Dabda is, Derek? No. It's like the stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, oh, depression, yeah. acceptance. So I feel like Street's heavily gone past his denial and now he's angry. And also, I mean, I just want to talk about how brave it is of the writers and the creators of this show to even touch on those stories. Because I think most shows would just you know, he'd get some miracle cure. We wouldn't really yeah. talk about the 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 fact that a person's catheter came out. You know what I mean? And that probably happens a lot. And it happened in front of his girlfriend that he loves and like, oh, it's so embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, this is the ugly side of of the reality of a person who's dealing with, with being paralyzed, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think they were trying to get him in his chair before and it was too much for him and he couldn't do it. But now he's headed out to a rehab facility. Yeah. And he's and that's the thing is Street is dealing with it and Lila has not at this point. She has not accepted the reality that this is that this is happening. No, but you know? then she makes out with his best friends. So there's there's things happening but it's there. It's out of out of trauma, you know. I mean, I don't think it's I think it's literally out of trauma. I'm not excusing what she does here, but I think that I I think we as an audience understand why she does it. I also think we have a bunch of those shots where we're seeing what's happening with Street's hands, too, that he doesn't have use of his hands, too. And just to have somebody hug her and hold her when she hasn't had that from him probably also is what she needs right now. It's just there are layers and complications. And when they did that scene and then the wind sprint scene, it wasn't actually raining, right? It's a gigantic rain machine. it's, It's like on a crane, basically. And it's got like a massive sprinkler head. Um, and it just shoots ice cold rain on you. Boy, did it make for some gorgeous shots in this episode, though. My God, the light like reflects off of it. Oh, so good. So, so good. Okay, this the, the very last scene that we have 
we're at practice, like familiar exactly where we're going to be. But then it's like you, it's almost like the skies darken as yeah. Buddy starts walking on the field with Ray Voodoo Tatum. Heads snap and stare at him. I sort of, I know that they heard of this guy. Oh, yeah, because the rumors have been going around the whole entire high school. There's this guy, Ray mm-hmm. Voodoo Tatum. You know, he's a superstar. He's the best. He's yeah. the greatest. He's, you know, blah, 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 blah. This Katrina refugee. Um, but one of the really interesting things is like just the way they shot the scene when he comes on the field. The very last shot, they sweep around the stadium. He crosses and, it go- yeah, it goes right under him and he does a head turn. It yeah. was that is a gorgeous shot. And it's just like, this kid's going to cause some trouble. That was yeah. an ominous sweep shot for it to be the last, especially to be the last of the episode. And it doesn't have to do with our like characters that we know and love. Yeah. You don't have to know much to know that uh, things aren't going to go well. Derek, I don't know if you know this. Um, I, I love Voodoo Tatum. Okay, we get it. That? That's enough. Did I ever tell you that? <sighs> yes. I'm very familiar with your love of Voodoo Tatum, Stacey. I've only been hearing about it for the last 15 years. Okay. We should probably get to our conversation with Adrienne Palicki, and you know I'm going to ask her if Voodoo is her favorite character. Yeah, why don't you do that? I'm sure she's going to be real thrilled to hear about Voodoo Tatum. We are so friggin' excited to have the one and only Tyra Collette, a.k.a. the fantabulously spectacular, amazingly talented, and stunningly beautiful Adrienne Palicki on the show with us today, who we are all, of course, uh, well, we all know very well from Friday Night Lights, but she's also been in a slew of other films and television shows, including Supernatural, Lone Star, Women in Trouble, Red Dawn, G.I. Joe Retaliation, Legion, Agents of Shields, and of course... John Wick. She currently stars as Commander Kelly Grayson on the hit TV show The Orville, which has just wrapped up its third season. And I'm out of breath from reading all those credits. Palicki, how the hell are you, woman? Thank you so much for taking the time to be on our little show here. I'm great. I just want you to say that three times fast. I can't do it anymore. (laughs) It's a lot of energy, man. Here's the deal before everything shuts off. The most important question that I need to ask you. Annie, is Voodoo Tatum your favorite character on Friday Night Lights? And if not, why do you hate America? (laughs) Well, I know he's yours. Okay. See, Annie knows. Everybody gives me the side eye when I bring it up. But he introduced into this um, episode, episode three. And of course, I talked about it for an hour. (laughs) No, all all this is hot, man. So hot. Yeah, this isn't really a like Friday Night Lights rewatch as much as it is like a Voodoo Tatum. It's a Stacey loves Voodoo. Yeah. Lucky okay. you, Derek. I know. I'm, just- I'm loving it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've got a real question. How did you actually uh, become a part of Friday Night Lights? What was that process like for you? I, you know, it's crazy. I so my parents happened to be in town at the time, and at the time I was also testing for Aquaman which was like supposed to be a sure thing for CW. And well, I guess it was WB back then. And then my, I, I auditioned like with Linda Lowy for the first audition early in the day. I had two other auditions. One was in Venice. And if you guys know California or Los Angeles, it's like you're in the Valley, you're in Venice. You might as well be seven worlds apart. So uh, I'm leaving Venice at five o'clock at night. I get a, a phone call from Lena, my manager at the time. And she's like, Hey, they want to call back with Pete Berg, like in an hour. And I was so exhausted. We're in rush hour traffic. There's no way it's happening. 
So I'm like, I'm just not, I'm, mom, dad, I just want to go have dinner with you guys. I don't even know if I like this project. I'm already, you know, like testing for this other thing. Let's not, let's not worry about it. And my mom looks, looks back to me. She goes, Annie, I think we can make it. Jeff, do you think we can make it? And my dad drives in rush hour traffic at five o'clock and gets me to Warner Brothers in, I want to say, 45 minutes. Wow. So, and honestly, I wouldn't have gone. It's just because I was just being stupidly lazy. I get there and first person I see is Minka Kelly. She's sitting there and she's like, oh yeah, are you here for the test as well? And I'm like, test? You guys are testing? This is just my callback. So they were all waiting there for their work session. As I'm going in before them, to meet with Pete Burke because I could not find Tyra. And I go in, have the most amazing experience. I mean, I was in there, guys, for like 45 minutes. At one point, he's like, okay, do it like you're on meth. And I'm like, oh, let me tap into those days. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) just every which way, yes, he wanted me to do this thing. I walk out. I feel bad because they're just a gaggle of people like just – sitting out there waiting for their work session. Zach Gilford was there. Minka was there, like all waiting. And I go home and I get a phone call. They want me to test that I got to bypass. Was it network or studio? I think I got to bypass network and go to studio the next day. Ultimately, when you book a part or you're, you're up for a part, they usually have two or three people they're interested in and you have a network and studio And this is very different now. Usually now they just put you on tape. But at the time, you would have to go the first day to network in which you're sitting in a big room with all of the other actors for the other part and your part and whatever. And they pull you in to a huge room, a conference room with all of the executives in the world staring at you. And then you have to perform. And if you make the cut... It's literally that feeling and you feel like you are on display. I mean, an audition alone with a casting director can be very difficult, but like when you have 10 people who are like not only making or breaking this moment, but possibly your entire life, you're like, ah, and then usually nine times out of 10, you're leaving the building with everyone still around you as you're getting the phone call, whether or not you're going back the next day. So it's like, you kind of know who's going and who's not. It's, it's a horrible process. In my experience as well, it's usually the unfriendliest room on the planet. It's usually a, a theater, like a movie theater has been my experience. And there's 20 people in there, all in suits and ties and whatever. And they're just, they're not laughing at the funny parts. That's true. That's when it becomes corporate. That's when it becomes a business. Like they're in the business of making money, not making art. So that's when yeah. it happens. They're looking at you going like, is that, does, what do they look like? Ultimately, there's a feeling of that. You know what I mean? But I will say this just to like, you know, talk about Friday Night Lights again for a second. I will say that was probably one of the friendliest as far as like holding area with all the actors. And I remember talking to another girl who was testing for Tyra and I can't remember her name. It was so long ago. But like, I remember the guy who was testing for um, uh, Zach's character and, you know, like, all of these other people. And we just were all talking to each other. It was a very, very, even that moment, I think started this special experience that it was like, it's going to be a nice group of people no matter what. So how, how uh, quickly after you auditioned, did you get your, your phone call? Do you remember? I was literally, I feel like walking out of the studio. It was so fast, but I was one of the only people, I was the only person they brought back in 
ultimately, I found out later, I, the, the, they didn't want me because they thought I looked too mature. And Peter vied for me to get that part, which is why they also brought me in again to, to read. They thought you looked too old to be a high school kid? I guess so. Do you mind, do you mind if I ask how old you were when you booked Friday Night Lights? I was 22 when we did the pilot. I, I turned 23, I feel like, right after the pilot. When you, when you booked the show, you, had, you and Jesse Plemons had worked a lot more than, than most of the other, I'm going to call you guys the kids on the show, the, the high school kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys had some pretty decent credits at that point. I mean, I know Minka had done a couple music videos that mm-hmm. she was known for. Um, I'd never seen Zach before. No, Zach was like like baby out of fresh out of college, I believe. Yeah, and yeah. Taylor, I mean, was modeling. And Scott was fresh off of the Broadway. He actually got, was cast in Tarzan on Broadway and turned it down because he thought he was going to book this pilot. And I was like, oh, that's brave of you. That's very brave, and thank God that worked out. Yeah, yeah, thank I didn't God. Know that. Because there's no there's no other streeter. No, God, it's so perfect. What did you know about Tyra going in? I knew she was a slut. <laughs> well, there you go. And that's it for our podcast, guys. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> See, I spent like the past week rephrasing these 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 the the way I was gonna describe Tyra. <laughs> but I was like, no, she she got around town. She was a get around gal. <laughs> Oh, see, now you sound old. Yes. We've said this because what, and you and I have talked about this before too. Everything that Tyra does is show that she can have a bigger life so she can get out of Dillon, Texas. And if that's attaching herself to a football player or later becoming incredibly smart and going to college, like that girl's got goals. She can do whatever she wants. But you know, what's really crazy is that the first season, they didn't know what to do with Tyra. There were episodes I wasn't even in. And I got to a point where I called Pete and I was like, I don't, I don't know if, do I have even a character? And so, you know, it was just really difficult to find out where she should go without just being a person that's just causing issues and problems. And that's where Liz Heldens comes into play and became a real advocate for Tyra. And that, you know, we discuss what if there's some backstory with, with either an abusive parent or whatever, and, and you kind of get a sense of, um, of, who she is and where she comes from. So Liz Heldens is one of uh, the most amazing writers. I mean, Jason Kadams as well. We had the most amazing writers on the show, but um, Liz Heldens is a staff writer on the show. And in fact, came on to the Orville for the first year and a half. So I got to work with her again, which was so lucky to me. She's amazing. third episode you break up with tim which is kind of a big deal because tim was your attachment to the the whole football storyline on the show and seeing as how the show especially early on pretty much revolved around football was there ever a fear that if you and tim weren't a couple that that could be the end of of you and of tyra's storyline well i'll be honest with you when i called pete and i talked to him the first time about it because i was just really frustrated i'm like am i being written off the show he goes he goes listen i i i called jason i said you know i just just write her off. She, just write her off. And I'm like, wait, wait, hold on. I don't want to get written off the show. And once they found relationship between Tammy, especially, and Tyra, it evolves exponentially. I mean, then you meet, you meet, you know, Mindy, you meet mom, you meet like all of these, these really interesting characters. 
you know, we have the Riggins family that's attached to the Colette family. And like, that's a whole fun storyline. And, you know, it's like, look at the evolution of the two of you, you know? Yeah. I, I just thought it, you know, the way that they, they, as you were saying, like that backstory that they gave your character, that's something that, I, I mean, even three episodes in, Stacey and I have discussed this uh, about the fact that this show in the pilot, the, the characters are kind of two dimensional, but by episode two, things are start, starting to get kind of shaken up. Well, everything is realistic. That's that's what's so great about it. Because you have all those characters in, in real high school, but they are all completely, you know, flawed. They have their own issues. You don't know what their home life's like. Yes, you can have the perfect cheerleader, but you don't know what's happening behind closed doors. Yeah. You know, like there's just so many layers to all the characters. I also think that's why this show's timeless. Yeah. Because all these people continue to exist. It's not even just in high school. It's like at your job, you know? Yeah. This is my first time watching the show, by the way. And I, any, listen, I don't know if you know this. Um, Friday Night Lights is really good. You're an ass. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe this is the first time you're watching it. Listen, there were sometimes, like, I would come over to your place and we would watch a couple. We would always cry whenever we would watch them. So I would watch, like, every fifth episode, but I was, like, too close to it. And I knew you guys too well. And now I'm fully watching it and, like, oh. No, I mean, there's there's such a – watching it later is kind of great because there is a detachment that happens, and you actually get to be an observer watching it for the first time almost through different lenses. It's a really – it's such a special, special show. This is the first time I've done it uh, since the show – well, not since it aired. I mean, I think I've – probably in like 12 years that I've watched it. So I'm back like midway through – I mean, I watched it when it was on. I'm not Stacy. What are you – <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It makes my heart hurt. It does. It's it's difficult. And we've had that conversation, Stacey and I both. It's just, you want that back. I mean, I, that was yeah. some of the best times of my life. I it mean, really I met was. family. Yeah. I'm in Austin right now. I fell in love with the city for the first time. Like this is just, it's a, it's, it was a special, special show. And as an actor, well, I mean, I'm just saying as an arc, like I think Tyra had probably one of the, the biggest arcs as oh, far definitely. as like starting from one place and ending up in a completely different. Oh God, from season one to season five, she became a full grown adult. Just in terms of the amount of necklaces she lost from the first episode to the second. And earrings and rings. I was like, this, nobody should wear this much jewelry. Where's she getting this money? She's poor. <laughs> Honey, those came from Claire's and they were $2.99 each. <laughs> That's right. And you probably stole them. You probably stole a lot of them from my room too. It's fine. <laughs> but I do want to go back to uh, that, talking about the arc that Tyra has on this show, because I mean, really and truly, I was thinking about this last night, that I don't know if there's a character on this show that not, not even necessarily changes so much, but has that big of an arc. That's a fan base. I mean, I would be on this, like walking down the street and people would be like, I, I mean, in the beginning, I hate you. I'm like, okay, well, A, I'm a character. Thank you. But like to the point where it became, oh, I used to hate you. Now I love you. Like, you know what I mean? There would, there'd be this heart came from her that you kind of saw where she was coming from. And then you're like, she's kind of a badass. Yeah. I mean, Kadem's called me at the end of season three and he was like, Annie, I don't know what to do here. He's like, I don't want to lose Tyra from the show, but I, I, I want her to go to college. And I said, I said, Kate, she, he, A, thank you. And I want to stay in the show for the rest of my life, but she has to go to college. It can't be for nothing. Um, which is a really special character, I think. 
I had a girl at Whole Foods here come up to me and said, you're the reason I'm in college. Shut up. That made me want to cry. Yeah, that's awesome. That makes it, that makes everything worth it. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. It just gave me goosebumps. Do you think Tyra and Jason Street have any kind of backstory? Like, did you guys maybe used to date or you guys have always just kind of been different side of the tracks people? I don't. I, I think like my version is that Street has been with Lila probably since they were like in the same way that, you know. Tim and Ty were probably together at like a very, very young age. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like Street would never, ever, ever be interested in Tyra. And I feel like Tyra is only interested in Street because she hates Lila. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Why did Tyra hate Lila so much? I would say jealousy. Yeah. I think she, yeah, I think she's just, you know, she's shiny and new and had everything handed to her in Tyra's mind. And Tara had the complete opposite situation happen. So I feel like she was just jealous of the the cards that were dealt. Mm. Here's a question for you. So, I mean, obviously you, you almost skipped your audition for this, but did you had, did you have any idea when you were shooting the pilot for this, for this even that 15 years later, number one, that you'd be on a podcast with Stacey and I, uh, but number two, (laughs) (laughs) you guys just couldn't get enough of each other, obviously. Oh oh boy, Annie. Oh God. (laughs) But did, did you honestly think that the show was going to have this kind of, of fan base and, and that, I mean, Hey, it's 15 years later and people are still talking about it and it's still touching people's lives to this day. I mean, Hey, it was on uh, IMDb pro the other day. It's like number 81 of all the films and television shows ever made. Friday night lights is still in like the top 100 of most downloaded shows. It's crazy to me that it still has that kind of. Well, cause it's, it's timeless. And also, no, I, I, Shooting it didn't really know what to expect, but like I'll never forget watching it in Peter's uh, when he had like a copy of the pilot after we shot it. We're all sitting there watching it together and just going, looking around at the end of it, going, This is going to be the biggest show ever. And then it aired and we got no numbers. And it was like, What? I to this day, though, remember you talking me off the ledge basically because, you know, I, I I could be a little bit negative. Maybe? No. I don't know. Yeah, you... just a little bit. Not a little bit. I know I'm this bright little beacon shining light, but uh, <laughs> back in the day. Um, but I remember sitting outside my trailer and I was smoking a cigarette and I was all angry at the world because our numbers weren't good and we weren't pulling in viewers. And you were like, try to be positive. She's like, you were like, we're going to be around. I, I just know it in my gut. And I was like, what is with this half full mentality? I know. Oh, I used to be so positive. You are positive. (laughs) You made me a more positive person, and I appreciate that. Oh, that's sweet. You made me a more cynical person. Oh, good. Uh, See, I rubbed off on (laughs) it. It was weird. We always had this kind of feeling like we should have our bags packed. Yeah. Because we didn't know what was going to happen. And then DirecTV came in and kind of weirdly saved us. Yeah. Yeah, so when we knew what we knew then that we had at least three seasons, yeah, the short, like the truncated seasons, but it was like, well, that's nice. We have each other. And then us all, none of us really being from Austin, living in a city that we've never lived in before and kind of only having each other at the beginning, like that's, 
I, we keep saying it, and I don't want it to sound cheesy, but like that's family. Yeah. Yes. We're family forever with everything that we went through. That's why it's part of why it's so special. Forever. And also, yeah, we were so young too to go through all that. You yeah, know? that was another thing. For almost all of us, this was like our first kind of big job, you know? Exactly. I think Kyle and Connie had, had had other big things, but for the rest of us, this was, you know, and, and I know you would work, but I don't think anything like this. No, nothing yeah. like this. Yeah. I was saying to Stacy when we were talking about the pilot episode of Friday Night Lights, that just what a spe- special moment that was, and I'll never forget it. I mean, I remember standing right next to you and we were watching the pilot in the, in the Hyatt in, uh, this is when it aired, not the first time I saw it, but the first time it aired and we were on TV and you literally grabbed my arm and you said, hey, we're on TV. And it was it was this really cool moment because it was just surreal that, yeah, we, we were. Yeah, nothing. I'm going to be honest with you. Nothing has been the same for me since that show. Like that show was just so – I'd give anything to go back and – really treasure every moment because I think I took it for granted in the time, in the, in the moment. I thought I was going to leave the show and be like, the world's mine and da, 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 da. And, you know, versions, yes, but nothing felt the same. Nothing was the same. Yeah. Mm-mm. And Pete Berg and a bunch of people told us all, like, take this with you, take this into your next project. And I know each one of us does that, but also it takes an entire tribe to do that. Like, your entire family has to want to do it. And now you enter into things and, like, people have families and, you know, people kind of go their separate ways at the end of the night. And that was just so not us at the time. I mean, it was like, okay, we're, we're wrapped. Let's go get margaritas. Like, every night. I know uh, you just wrapped on the third season of Orville. Is there anything you can tell us about it? at the moment? No, it's like, it's honestly, it's so secretive considering that it takes seven years for it to come out (laughs) to film and then to actually come out. Like it's not going to be out until 2022 and it is our final season. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So that's kind of an end of an era. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll miss everyone. That was actually, that was definitely a family for sure. We spent so much time together on that ship. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God we loved each other. All right. So Palicki, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show with us. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks, bud. Guys, that is it for our episode three. We want to give a very special shout out. Thanks to our good friend, Adrian Palicki for joining us. Join us next week for episode four, when we have another special guest. Hi, I'm Luann Stevens and I play Grandma Saracen. That's right, baby. Grandma Saracen's coming to the show. Matthew, I want my orange juice. Did you hear me? And don't forget, our first audience participation episode is coming up. So send us all of your questions to cleareyesfullheartspod at gmail.com. And until next time, clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. That was pretty good. I think that was good. Boom, tear! (laughs) Clear Eyes, Full Hearts is a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. Executive producers are Stacey Orstano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mandy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions. Our producer is Mandy Wimmer. Please send your questions to cleareyesfullheartspod at gmail.com and find us on social media. I'm at Stacey Orstano on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Derek Phillips on Twitter and underscore Derek Phillips on Instagram. And check out our websites, cadence13.com and blackbarrelmedia.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week.